Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Sigarmi, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks, Chad, for having me. It's so, so good to have you on here. There's so many different ways that our listeners approach the Leader Chat Podcast. And I, I always try to think about ways to kind of mechanize all the great resources out there and ways to, to make you a better leader, make you better at, at work, at home, and your personal relationships. And today we're talking about determining your leadership point of view. Tell us a little bit about kind of the idea. Where did that come from? And, and, and why is it so valuable for a person to really understand their own leadership point of view? You know, I think leaders and organizations today, or even parents or community volunteers, feel um, misunderstood, probably underappreciated, sometimes frustrated. And employees or team members or family members also don't kind of understand what makes the person tick uh, that they're working with. And so they can become disengaged or frustrated. And this disconnect between leaders and the people they depend upon, I think really undermines organizational success or, um, you know, a family living sort of an optimal life. And so what this does is it accelerates uh, in an organizational setting team members' understanding of what makes their leader tick. You know, if we work with someone over a period of time, we, we figure out what makes them tick and what they value and what they expect. Uh, but we're intuiting it. We're deciphering it. We're kind of on a hunt for it. But this process of crafting your leadership point of view invites leaders to go deep and understand what they bring to the moment of leadership and then to speak it, to say it to communicate it to the people that they lead. So many different podcasts that we've had here on Leader Chat, it, it, it model-based, research-based, things that like, oh, if you learn X and you do Y, you'll get great success. Or if you use this principle or these processes, then you can enhance how you bring yourself in a different way to work. What I love about the leadership point of view process is this is all internal. You know, this is this is this is all about understanding kind of what makes you tick and and understanding the foundation, kind of that nature and nurture, the foundation of people that were that came before you, that helped guide you. They kind of brought you on the path and 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 helped you become the leader that you are. So I want to kind of talk about the elements of the leadership point of view. So it's everything from key people and events to your your, you know, helping you really dial in on your values. And also your expectations, you know. So this is a deeply personal leadership model, isn't it? It is. It's um, it's really a process of self-reflection to help 
leaders become more self-aware, more mindful, more intentional in their leadership. Um, it asks people to sort of examine key events and people, you know, their personal narrative, and to ask, you know, what shaped me? Um, what, what events, which people, mentors, teachers, um, shaped what I think about leadership, what I believe about leadership? And then it's really distilling from that values. And we ask people to identify three to five key values and then to really define them, to romance them, to say, what are the synonyms for them? Um, what is the meaning of that word to you? And then from that to say, well, if I showed up living that way every day, living those values, um, what do I expect of myself? So that there's congruency between my actions and my words and what do I expect of you? Um, so I can give some examples about that if you're if you're interested. But but it really is about deep introspection that then leads to kind of a very authentic, vulnerable um, communication of what you've learned to those you work with. Let's do that. Let's dig a little bit deeper. You said you could give some examples. I know you have taught this program to hundreds and hundreds of people. What is the impact of, of people as an influencer on, on making a person the leader that they are? So when you think about the key people, what are the, some of the things you should be looking for to see how they are helping shape your leadership point of view? I think we first invite people to just list um, the people who've been important in their lives. Going back to you know, grandparents, parents, siblings, friends. Um, mentors, teachers. Um, one thing, Chad, is that a leadership point of view isn't uh, a biography, and it isn't a resume, and it isn't a list of all of the positions you've held. It's really none of those things. It's really, here are the people in my life, life who have um, influenced me, who've taught me a lesson, um, who supported me when I'm down, who've inspired me, who've taught me, who've mentored me. And I think almost all of the leadership point of views that I've done have led people back to parents, to teachers in high school or college, to maybe first managers, but not because they were the manager, but because they put a stake in the ground and provided you with space and feedback and uh, assurance and confidence building. Um, so we ask people to kind of think through those people and to say, what were their gifts to you? And how did those gifts shape your values? I find it so interesting when you think about key people. I mean, uh, when I think about when I shaped my leadership point of view, my uncle um, who was so impactful to me, who also served as a bit of a coach early on as I was I was learning the different sports, um, a lot of positive experiences. And he had a lot of sage wisdom that has mm -hmm. kind of brought to the fold. But I found it interesting in, in reading some of your writing, you also talk about it, it could also be somebody out there that you may not admire that could help shape your leadership point of view. So how can you take some negatives of your past and, and help you be better? You know, it happens some, but I'd say that when I work with leaders and I'm coaching them to work through the pieces of your leadership point of view, that negative examples come up, but they come up at like at 20%. But 
if someone comes up that they're triggered by or pushing back against or adamant that they don't want to be like, that's just sort of a place to dig a little bit more about what that person represented that you don't value. Um, you know, what is the pushback that you're feeling against that person or, or um, toward that person that caused you to say, I'm never going to show up like that. You know, but, you know, if you think about it, sometimes we, we fight against um, the attributes in ourselves that um, we call them out in others and really they're calling them out in ourselves. So it's just rich ground. I mean, no matter how someone goes, whether they kind of come up with positive, inspirational um, role models, mentors, teachers, or they come up with somebody they're not going to be like, there's there's room there to dig at it, to, to explore it. And that's really what we're asking people to do. We're asking people to be introspective. We're asking them to think deeply and then ultimately to share it. So let's talk a little bit more about people. And if I could put you a bit on, on, the, on the spot with your leadership point of view, give us an example of, of somebody in your past um, that you used that has inspired you or helped shape you. And how did you turn that into a piece of what you shared in your leadership point of view? So, you know, the easy one for me is Ken Blanchard. Um, I, you know, I've worked with him for over 40 years right now. And um, I met him at a new graduate student faculty picnic. And, you know, he invited me to dinner, um, you know, sort of breaking boundaries right there and being generous and abundant and sharing. And, you know, I went to that dinner and at that dinner, I met seven of the eight founders of the Ken Blanchard companies, including Drea Zagarmi, who I ultimately married, you know, nine months later, eight months later. Um, Ken taught me about generosity, generosity of spirit, generosity of resources. Um, he reminded me a little of my father, so that would have been another important person on my list. But Ken always talked about abundance, that if you share it, it comes back to you. And, um, you know, in the role I've played, the roles I've played in Blanchard, I was often, you know, in a negotiation role. I was often in the VP of sales and marketing role. So often I wasn't about this, let's give it away kind of mentality. Um, <laughs> but in the back of my head was always Ken saying, let it go and it comes back to you. Loosen it up a little bit and it comes back to you. So that would that would be an example. Um, an example of uh, maybe a key event would be, you know, growing up in a, in Western Michigan in a fairly conservative um, household where we didn't talk a lot about um, politics or civic engagement or um, what was right and what was wrong, justice or injustice, um, you know, then going to, to college, you know, during some of the most activist years in American politics caused me to shift and to say, you know, people need to have a voice at the table. <laughs> people need to be able to speak up and say what's on their mind. And so that's led to, you know, my value of kind of high involvement or inclusion. And that's rippled out through everything I've done, which is the conversations that we encourage in situational leadership or the high involvement change model we promote in leading people through change. Um, that whole notion that you need to help people express what's on their mind. Um, you know, that would have been an example of a sort of 
chapter in my life where I experienced one thing and then was in college and after college put in a situation to experience something else. And it clarified what my value was. I, I think the example of Ken and, and his just forever optimism around abundance, around just there, there, it, there's, there's a positivity and optimism and there's always more with Ken. And I do love that. You, you, you shifted uh, as I was going to shift as well from discussions around key people to key events. Let's talk a little bit more about that. What, what do you mean by when you say key events? You gave some great examples of, of, of your upbringing, you know, the, uh, where society was at very impactful times in your life. But if someone was going to be thinking about what their leadership point of view was beyond the people, um, what would be some of the things where key events could really help shape um, what they would share in their leadership point of view? Well, one concept we talk about a lot is the concept of a sliding door. And that comes from a film that, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow was in called Sliding Doors, where, you know, she gets fired and she comes down to the tube in London and the doors close in her face and she goes in one path. And then the other one, she sort of elbows her way into the tube and uh, goes on her way. And that, that takes her on a different path. And it's hard at first to keep track of her because she has the same color hair. Then she dyes her hair in one of her lives differently. So you can begin to see the two characters and where their lives are going. Uh, because of the sliding door. So we often ask people to explore a sliding door. Where was a fork in the road, a choice point, where because you went one way, um, your path was set. I can remember working in the U.S. Senate um, for a senator from upstate New York, and we lost the election. Um, and I decided that I wanted to go to the White House Conference on Children, but I couldn't get in because it was a Republican administration. And even though I worked for a Republican senator, we had been sort of disgraced. And so I just went. And it was people from the University of Massachusetts who said, oh, she's with us. I mean, I wasn't with them. I didn't even know who they were. But that was a sliding door that changed my entire life because in the next six weeks, I decided because of what I heard them speak about and the program they were doing at the University of Michigan, I was enrolled in a doctoral program. And, you know, within a few weeks of that, met Ken Blanchard. So that's an example of a moment in time that just, you know, changed my life. Um, and I think that if we look back over our lives, there are sometimes chapters like, you know, you might have played a high school sport and that's a chapter that changed her life. Or it might be a sliding door, like the one I just um, explained, where it was just a moment in time. And it was a reaction I had to, you know, I don't know who they are, but they're kind of interesting. And I like their boldness. And sure, I'm with them. Um, so we ask people to just, you know, think broadly about chapters, eras, turning points. Sometimes it's career shifts, um, but it's mainly like what caused you to shift, not what was the role you went from A to B, but what caused there to be an unsettling or an opportunity that appealed to you? I uh, immediately comes to mind, and uh, I think you'll pick up on this in just a second, but a sliding door moment for me. Um, and I do personalize the, the podcast from time to time was I was going to have a casual dinner with a friend and that friend was challenging me about what was going to be next to my career. 
And I said, I wasn't sure there wasn't a lot of opportunities where I am. It's a pretty flat organization. And that that friend of mine who always kind of looked looked after me early on in my career said, well, have you thought about the grad school program that uh, the, the company offers? And I remember thinking, laughing initially, and I noticed that she wasn't laughing because she actually believed in me that I could actually go to a business school and, and complete a grad school program. And it it changed my perception, her belief in me changed my perception. And I ended up getting accepted to that program. And it was an incredible 22 month journey. And uh, yep. And for the listeners that don't know that, 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 that person was Pat Army. And so you actually had an incredible impactful moment. And it's, it's, I share that to say, you never know who you might be inspiring when in those moments, but also, um, you know, if you're kind of giggling and laughing and you notice they're not, you, it's, it's, a, it's a nice opportunity to see, that others see more in you than you see in yourself. Yeah, and that's a good example of a moment in time, but it also led to a chapter. It led to the 22-month MSCL program that caused you to think more deeply about leadership, which has then play, paid out or played out in your entire um, you know, career with the Ken Blanchard Company. So it has. It has. It, it, it's led, it, yeah, it's led me to want to be a leader in the way I can be a leader, even though that there's mm-hmm. fewer leadership positions at this organization. It's led to this podcast. It led to me taking myself more seriously. So thank you, Pat. Thank you here on the Leadership mm-hmm. Podcast. So let's shift to, uh, as I did, my leadership point of view during that grad school um, program. Um, one of the things that was really the first time I, I dialed in was on one of the second stages of this, which is really Find, really looking at and understanding the values that you believe in, the values that you want to expound to other people, the values that you want to be held accountable for. How does somebody who hasn't done that work, and it's deep work, how would you have somebody go about getting started on really defining their values and then getting that message out to others so they know what you're all about? It's interesting because we do it we sort of prime the pump in two ways right now. Um, We have a list of values and we ask people to read through this long laundry list of values, you know, all goods, um, all good things. And, you know, I don't know how many there are a hundred and you, you know, choose 10, then choose five. And, you know, people find it impossible, but you know, it's at least a starting point. And now in this new version that we've just created a leadership point of view, uh, learning experience, we show people a set of images, um, photos, and say, for whatever reason, which of these speak to you and why? And what does it represent or symbolize? And so it's kind of a left brain way of getting into it and a right brain way of getting into it. But out of it comes um, a list of values, a list of what I cherish. And then the hard work begins because almost all of us would probably put teamwork. I value teamwork, collaboration on their list. But the next step in this process is to really say, so what does that mean to you? What are 10 synonyms you would use for the word teamwork? And is one of them nuanced in such a way that it really captures what what you mean? Um, let, Let me use my own example. One of the things I value is mastery. Um, I I really value mastery. And when I look at what I mean by mastery, I mean um, being the best at something. I I mean really finely tuning your competence. I mean 
sustained excellence. I mean, artisanship. Uh, and I think about how in my entire life, I've always been drawn to somebody who does something really, really well. Like when I had no money and lived in New York, I used to go to the ballet, not because I can dance at all, but because I appreciated what those ballerinas could do. Or I've always liked to watch really fine chefs work. So on a television program, because it was like, I couldn't possibly do that, but they perfected that over a period of time. So I played with a lot of words. What do, what do I value? Do I value mastery? Do I value competence? Do I value excellence? Do I value craftsmanship? Do I value artisanship? And what I think is wonderful in the LPOV work is ultimately we settle on kind of a name for the bucket, but it's almost never the word that you start with. It's almost always the thinking more deeply about what is the meaning of that word um, to you um, and, and how did it come about? We also, we also do an exercise where we ask people to go look at line of sight. So who told me about being excellent? Who showed me what excellence looked like? And so I'd examined, you know, um, kind of who in my lifetime has been an exemplar, even of something I couldn't do or even I'm mean, aspired to do but was really, really good at it. Um, clearly having the language of situational leadership ultimately in my life with D4ness, um, that, that really helped. You know, somebody who's competent, confident, and motivated. They believe in their skills. They're passionate about what they do. They're excited about what they do. They can teach others. All of that became part of this notion of I value mastery. So that's kind of how we work with someone. Um, we're trying to find... Words that are memorable, um, words that are loaded with meaning uh, to the person, and that then you're trying to communicate it to your team members. Um, does that does that help? It re it really does. And and you know, for for those that are following along, if you want to do a deeper dive, you can pick up the Leading at a Higher Level book available at Amazon or bookstores everywhere. You can go to kinblanchard.com, go to the resource pages, go click on leadership point of view. You can you can check out the programs, the coaching, the different ways that you could take this apart. But we also, we really want people every time they they approach this podcast to be able to take something away. And I think you know, one of my aha moments when I went through it was, especially with the values work, is when you really can zero in, you know, as it says in, in the leading to higher level book, the most important thing is life is decide what's most important. And so it really is up to you. And, and once you can share with others, hey, this is what's important to me. And in your relationships at work, at home, elsewhere, um, it gives people an insight into what makes you tick, why you do the things you do in a lot of cases, and what energizes you. I think if everybody can understand and pull back the, the layers of the onion to see what they're passionate about, what they value, it's a lot more understanding and it helps with those conversations. So um, that's my two cents. Let's, let's dig into the, the final piece of this, which is, is, you know, so, you know, what do you do with all this information? And I know we haven't got a fully formed leadership point of view. We're not gonna be able to do that in 20 to 30 minutes, but there's that aspect around sharing your expectations for yourself and for others. Why is that so important when you do all this work? Define kind of why you are the leader that you are. Define what you value. Why is it also so important to have that conversation about the expectations that you have for yourself and you have for others in those working relationships? I think that having the conversation gives the leader 
a chance to create some accountability for themselves. You know, none of us show up every day as the best person we can be in a leadership role. You know, we're distracted, um, we're frustrated, we're stretched thin, um, we're triggered, um, and we lose it. You know, I have a commitment to high involvement, um, you know, to including others in decision-making, but under pressure, I'm a fairly quick, <laughs> certain decision maker, and I'm happy to take the decision. And so I could act in a way that betrays my value. I, I want to hear people's opinion. I want to build a kind of momentum and consensus for a decision. But in the press of things, I can get fairly unilateral. So knowing that and knowing that I've made a commitment out loud to be uh, committed or, or to act on my value of high involvement kind of reminds me to be my best self in the moment of leadership. It also says to people, if I value high involvement and I'm clarifying expectations for you, is I might not always turn to you and say, hey, Chad, what are you thinking? Uh, you know, I may forget or I may be pushed or I'm, I might be unfocused on, you know, pulling everyone in. So it's really important because I can say to you, so speak up. Um, it's safe. Speak up. I will often change my mind if I hear what's on your mind. Uh, I, have, I have a track record of doing that. I know that to be true. So Yes, it's my job to bring you into the conversation, but it's your job to speak up in a conversation. And if I remember to include and they remember to speak up, so they kind of trip me up and say, oh, yeah, I do want to hear what you have to say. We can be a better team. We can be a better um, you know, partner. We can be better partners um, at working at organizational goals. You know, it, it just puts us on the same page. It creates alignment. I think the other thing is that you turn the story and the stories you tell, the narrative you tell about your life and the values into something concrete. So expectations are kind of concrete. They're, they're kind of the result of doing all of this thinking. You know, it's like, okay, if this were true, uh, if this is really what I cherish, what I value, then we would be better together if we both did this, um, you know, in line with the organization's values. Uh, I'd be my best self and that would allow you to be your best self. So it's, it's, and it's an important part of this, but the process itself is, I think what I want to underline the process of doing the introspection, the reflection, the sifting, the vetting, the redefining, um, the recalibrating, and then setting them into expectations is really what is valuable. Um, it's really what causes people to connect to you. I, I can think of many times where I've been with the CEO and they've shared their leadership point of view, and I actually have them read it um, rather than just wing it or do a PowerPoint. Um, I sort of put nose on that. And then they they read it and people will say, gosh, I had that same experience. So I'm connected to you in a way I didn't even know it was connected to you. Or I share that value. And how can we work together to make that value um, operative in, in our interactions? Um, people find connections um, through leadership point of view. People find it, it becomes okay or safe 
to be vulnerable because the leader's been vulnerable um, in sharing their leadership point of view. So I think turning values into expectations makes it concrete, but it's the story that leads up to it that makes it sort of understandable and compelling. It, it truly is a conversation. I think leadership is a conversation. Relationships are a conversation. Um, I've seen it how it's worked for me. I've seen it displayed by the leaders I've worked with. Uh, I've seen it, you know, with the grad school program where everybody kind of had that self-realization um, as they've gone through the process and some of the, the really powerful stories they've shared. I've even seen a global manufacturing organization based in the UK who has plants on, on all, you know, six of the seven continents and, and uh, largely a union shop. And they actually brought their frontline leaders into this program and gave them the opportunity. They all knew that they were leaders and they managed in a lot of different ways, but for them to actually put to words why and how, it's such a powerful, powerful approach to being a better leader, being the better, the best you can be, bring your best self to work. So Pat, as we're kind of wrapping up our day, I like to pose this question to, to all of my guests. Um, and it's always uniquely very um, intimate in some ways, but it's always unique to the topic. So What's the one thing you want all of the thousands of listeners to our podcast to take away from our conversation today about leadership point of view? I want them to understand that it's some of the hardest work you'll ever do in your life. It's a little bit like therapy. You know, it's like you're going deeper and you're digging at meaning. Um, so it's hard work, but it's also incredibly fruitful. Um, it does lead to more connection. Um, it leads to more um, authenticity uh, on both the leader's part and on the part of the people who are um, listening in to the leadership point of view. Um, it's inspiring. Um, so it's hard work. And when people do the hard work, it's incredibly powerful uh, in building connection. Pat, thank you. I appreciate your time today. That feels like the 30 minutes just flew by. I think it did for our listeners as well. If people want to dig a little bit deeper into to just a lifetime of research that, that you've had um, or, or any other way, um, where would you send them? I'd probably send them to where I've spent the last 42 years of my life, which is the Ken Blanchard companies and our sort of rich um, collection of, of um, products, many of which I've authored. Absolutely, your, uh, your uh, fingerprints are on so much of, of, of what has made the Kim Blanchard companies what it is. Um, you've had a great impact on me. I appreciate you so much. So for our listeners, go to kinblanchard.com and look at the top tab, look for tools and resources. You can search directly for leadership point of view, LPOV. Uh, you can see the different ways that you could actually bring this into play. Also, you could look at the, the book, Leading at a Higher Level. It's uh, it's one of the final chapters because it is seen as how you pull it all together in this lifetime of work. Pat Army, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Thanks, Chad. I really appreciate the invitation. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, 
or Google Play or wherever you're listening, and please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. Chad, as you can imagine, I really enjoyed your interview with Pat Sigarmi. As she said, we've known each other for over 40 years, met at the University of Massachusetts and and uh, this whole leadership point of view is such an important uh, element for Margie and I. Uh, we teach the course in our master's degree program in executive leadership at the University of San Diego on the leadership point of view. And uh, it's just a powerful experience for people because we start off you know, having them thinking about who uh, impacted their lives and what did they learn from them. And based on that, what are the values that they learned and, and how would they define those values in a way that they and other people could, could observe and understand them. And then based on those values, what do you expect of people and what can they expect of you? And it's just a powerful experience and it's important that people understand that your leadership point of view uh, is not about you as a leader. It's really about your people because you're trying to share with them uh, about yourself so they can understand you better and you can work better as a team. So it's a it's a really powerful, powerful uh, experience and Margie and I have loved working on it for so many uh, years. And uh, so thanks, Chad. Thanks, Pat, uh, for really uh, getting people to understand the power of your leadership point of view and sharing it with others. God bless.